0: Let's be honest, when we're in a startup mode, especially if it's our first or second startup venture, we actually feel a little uncertain. Will this thing work? Will the staff stay? Will the market accept this new product? Will they buy it? Will they buy it at the right price? There's a huge amount of uncertainty and insecurity in that stage. So many entrepreneurial stories start out with the entrepreneur saying, yes, we can do that. When indeed, they can't. I can think of three such stories just at the top of my head right now. One of those stories is my story. You can't actually do it, but you tell the client you can and then find a way. Saying yes is the way that doors open for you. Saying no is a way that doors close. And so we train ourselves as startup entrepreneurs to say yes as often as possible. And we say yes not only to our clients, but we say yes to our staff as well. So by saying yes, we increase the probability of our clients saying yes, and our staff saying yes, I'll stay. However, organizations that keep saying yes are effectively boundaryless, and boundaryless businesses fail. Today's podcast is really about you as the entrepreneur starting to create boundaries, boundaries with your staff, and boundaries with your clients, and in fact, boundaries with your suppliers.
1: It's an interesting thought that we might be saying yes because we live in a state of fear. Yes feels much more like it could be a statement of courage or even stupidity, but fear. Well, as we go through this lesson, we're going to highlight and discuss a number of behaviors that are going to help us realize how this fear, conscious or not, may be holding us and our business back. We're going to do this in a structured way. We'll separate these out. We'll look at this through the lens of us and our clients, us and our suppliers, and us and our employees. I'm Gareth Armstrong, and this is a Razor's Edge podcast.
0: Let's start off with the easiest one, the boundaries with your suppliers. In the early years, you're probably hustling as I was, and getting a lot of freebies or huge discounts based on your personality or the story that you were telling your suppliers and so when the supplier delivers late when the supplier delivers the wrong thing when the supplier doesn't give you the discount that they promised you feel that there is no power to push back on these situations so you accept them and once you accept them the suppliers carry on doing what they do but at some point that starts to impact on your business When things are delivered late and you have unreliable suppliers, you become unreliable and it impacts your ability to sell and deliver to your clients and therefore you start to lose your clients. And as I said at the beginning of this podcast, your inability to create boundaries effectively is the beginning of your demise. The second boundary that you need to establish is your boundaries with your staff. In the beginning of your startup, you build very good relationships with your team. It's very intimate. They're very familiar with the vision. They buy into your vision. They buy into you as leader. And as the organization grows, so more and more decisions need to be made. Based on the relationship, there might be certain liberties that your staff take. Going home a little early, coming to work a little late, not completing reporting on time, saying things and not delivering on them. And so as new people start to join your organization, the culture is set by those individuals that were there in the beginning. And they are watching to see how you react to those transgressions. And if there is no reaction, if there are no boundaries, they will adopt the same culture. Can you imagine in an army that the soldier says, Mm, I'm not feeling so good today. I don't think I'm going to come to the front line to fight. I'm just like feeling a little squelchy. Or I need a duvet day. I'm feeling a little down. That would be inappropriate for that context. Now I'm not saying that you need to create an army. I'm just saying that every environment has a culture as to what is acceptable and what is not. Now the army might be too militant and too bounded and is not the kind of environment that you want to have as a business. I can say with certainty the metaphor illustrates the fact that there is a culture in an army means that if a new soldier joins the army, they are going to adopt the culture of that army. When a new person joins your organization, they are going to adopt the culture of your organization. If your organization is boundaryless is too laissez-faire they will adopt that and they will now participate in that culture and as the next person joins so too will they adopt that culture and so on and so forth so it's very important to understand that when you start your business that the first employees have an incredible impact on the culture of the business going forward and based on the fact that you are in a state of boundaryless compromises in order to keep your business alive you need to work very hard in order to create those boundaries over time. The third vulnerability as a startup entrepreneur is our relationship with our clients who as I've mentioned before we keep saying yes to in order to keep them but your clients have a deep understanding of the differential in power and very often will abuse you, as I've mentioned, in the dual directive podcast. And so they demand discounts, they pay you late, they ask for extra value add, they require an incredible level of personal attention, which is not paid for. And so when you look back at your profitability with the discounts, with the amount of extra value add, with the extra personal attention, you actually end up making No money. Once again, the seed of your demise.
1: Are you currently in a position where your supplier has the power to destroy your reputation, brand, or a relationship with a key client because you've been too accepting of their late deliveries? Have you allowed the culture in your business to develop and grow in a so called organic fashion rather than standing watch over it and pruning it with shears and guiding its growth? Are your clients abusing you, knowingly or otherwise, and this is causing you to lose focus or compromise your bottom line? Do you see how fear of conflict can manifest in ways we might not have expected or realized? But don't worry, here's how we go about fixing this.
0: So what can you do? What can you do to create boundaries? I think the first part of what you can do is you have to acknowledge the fact that you've might not have the boundaries that you require. The second important thing when creating boundaries is to ensure that there is some change management. You can't just walk in one morning into your staff meeting and say everything's going to change right now. We're going to start implementing A, B, C and D. You have to start talking with your staff, your suppliers, with your clients and get them ready for the change that's going to happen as your boundaries start to appear. And be very clear on the reason. You personally have to be very clear on the reason as to why you're doing this. You're doing this in order to survive. You're doing this in order to thrive. Once you deeply believe the reason for the importance of boundaries, it'll make it a lot easier for you to push through all the resistance that will come through in the following months. You will get pushback from suppliers, pushback from staff, and even pushback from clients. And you need to be prepared to lose suppliers that don't support your ability to make a profit, to lose staff that are not prepared to have boundaries, and to lose clients that are effectively draining your energy and your profitability, preventing you from finding clients that do value what you do and are prepared to pay for that. So let's go through those three areas, suppliers, staff and clients. With your suppliers, the starting point is really to set up a meeting, to sit down with your suppliers and start to create a scope of work that you both agree to and that needs to be put into a contract. Ideally, you want that scope of work to be quite detailed and you want there to be penalties for non-performance on behalf of the supplier late delivery, the wrong quantity, the wrong quality. Now of course this is not possible with all suppliers but if you really work at it, it's possible with most of your suppliers and I know that as Corp, we took many years to get around 80 percent of our suppliers into contracts with a service level agreement. The more clarity you have in terms of what you require when things need to be delivered what quantities what quality that you need the better for all when suppliers give you their contracts very often those contracts are in their favor don't be afraid to add additional clauses in there that cover you from a sla perspective
1: okay so number one carefully consider what boundaries are needed number two Identify why you're doing it and believe deeply in that reasoning. Number three, put together a change management plan and begin communicating. And number four, reduce the verbal interactions to writing as soon and as best as possible. Service level agreements and contracts are essential. Let's move on to our employees, our staff.
0: Your staff are the easiest and the hardest. It's the easiest because the solution really is around performance contracting and performance management. It's the hardest because it's about performance contracting and performance management. No one likes to be performance managed and you have to empathize with your staff from that perspective. But you cannot run a business where you have got no understanding of what the requirements are. Of each of your staff members some organizations have uh, KPI contracting key performance indicators or KPAs key performance areas other organizations have ISP contracting individual success plan but the bottom line is that you're sitting down with each one of your employees and contracting each one of them in terms of what your expectation is for them to do on a daily weekly monthly basis the more clarity The more detail you bring into that contracting, the better. The more vague that contracting is, the more places that an employee can hide in terms of the grayness of what was contracted. And you won't get this right in the beginning. But you've got to be resolute that you will start to increase the clarity and the detail in your ISPs or your KPIs with your contracted employee. But we have to move to the second part of this process, which is the management. Now, each organization is different. Some organizations manage monthly, some manage quarterly, some manage biannually, and some manage annually. My strong suggestion for a startup business is to at least manage quarterly. That you set your KPIs or your ISP components every quarter and you agree to them you contract them, you sign them, you have the discussion and then you manage that the following quarter and the following quarter and the following quarter. If you are just writing down your KPIs and your ISPs and not managing them, rather don't do it. It has to be coupled with management and that has to be diarized in your calendar on a quarterly basis. Of course you might not be managing everyone So those people who are in management positions need to do the same thing too. Create the boundaries, manage the boundaries.
1: Do you have a performance contracting process in place in your business? Remember lesson 12, we need these processes. As much as this may really raise your fear red flags, it would only really become a problem if your goal was anything other than what Alon has described, to gain clarity. As far as a performance management process is concerned, are you beginning to see how the contract is the very thing that helps eliminate one of the most difficult parts of conflict, emotion? Once both parties have agreed, emotion might be present but it cannot dominate. Imagine trying to have a tough conversation without a contract. Just the thought is motivation enough to make sure there is one. And remember, these reviews must be in the diary once a quarter. Get them in as early in the new year as possible and make sure they are non-negotiable.
0: And lastly, let's talk about our clients. I think this is the hardest of all because the moment that you put in boundaries, there is a probability that you will lose that client. My experience over the last 20 years is that the clients that you will lose were probably unprofitable to begin with. This doesn't mean that you have to come in like a cowboy and and start creating boundaries up front. Once again, this requires change management. Ask to sit with your clients, explain to them the reason why, and start slowly contracting with each and every one of them in terms of scope of work. The headline that you would use in that regard would be the fact that the more clarity there is, the better you can serve them, which is the truth. I want to give you an example, let's say you were an ad agency and you provided your client with some graphics, you would put into the SLA that there is a maximum of two reverts after which they will have to pay for the third, fourth and so on revert at this pricing per revert. Now the client knows that there are two reverts that they have and will pay far more attention to being more comprehensive in terms of their feedback after the first revert and the same around the second revert. The client now gets a quicker turnaround because they are generally going to go down to one or two reverts and you are going to be more profitable because you are not going to be spending time on your third, fourth, fifth and sixth revert with the client wasting
1: time and money. Having an agreed-upon scope of work allows you to be able to serve your clients even better because of the clarity it offers. No client is going to say no to you if they know that what they're getting is even better service, a better product. It almost feels like it's a bit of a mantra we could embrace. Fear and clarity cannot occupy the same space. Here's a final word from Alon.
0: So this lesson is entitled Fear of Conflict. And we actually haven't used that terminology this whole podcast. The reason why entrepreneurs do not create boundaries is because of the fear of conflict. But if you think about it, the whole entrepreneurial journey is filled with conflict. It's part of the game. It's part of being an entrepreneur. And if you cannot bring yourself to handle, I don't want to say the word embrace conflict, but to handle conflict, to manage conflict, to deal with conflict, to leverage moments of conflict, then you're unlikely to be part of the 4% of businesses that succeed. So get used to it, toughen up, and create those boundaries.
1: Head over to racecorp.com where you'll find similar resources to this one and also the opportunity to sign up for notifications to stay updated on new releases. In addition to this, Follow RaceCorp on your favorite social media platforms where you'll find additional updates about this podcast series and others we are producing. My name is Gareth Armstrong, and I'll see you in the next lesson.